0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University.
1: I have to say, mate, if there was one profession that I would have put you at, it wouldn't have been lumberjack. I own five chain dogs, um, <laughs> We've been over this. Yeah, but m- a mass murderer, yeah, but not... <laughs> mass. I mean, how many is mass?
0: We can, we can debate this.
1: One of the best ways of testing is to ask the customer, but I think people don't because of the they think it's going to take such a long time for the results to come through or it's going to be prohibitively expensive so they just go off and do things which is definitely the wrong approach
0: we asked people whether they were positively or negatively influenced again we got we got about an even split on that so of the people who said that they were influenced in one way or another half said they were more likely to do it because of the influence of another person half said they were less likely
1: this episode is done in partnership with UGov.
0: colin as you know we recently had the opportunity to conduct some market research yes
1: yes and i'm looking forward to
0: hearing about the results yeah yeah we we decided to ask the uh, the hard-hitting questions we went, yeah, we went <laughs> right for the important stuff so one of the key questions that we asked is we we had a 1,000 participants uh, in the yep. survey. We showed them a picture of Colin, uh, and we showed them a picture of me. And then we gave them a list of fast food restaurants, uh, Burger yep. King, Chipotle, Chick-fil-A, so on. And then we asked them, based on nothing more than the picture, how likely would the person or which of these restaurants would this person be most likely to go to for lunch? And the results are in, Colin. Are you ready? I can't wait, mate. I can't wait. This is obviously kind of a a funny question to ask, but I got to admit, I found the results really interesting. Right. Good. The first interesting part to me is that for most of the restaurants, uh, when we showed them a picture of either you or me, we were kind of more or less equally likely to be a customer of these restaurants.
1: Let me be totally clear at the beginning. This is a real survey that we've done <laughs> we, with, with you guys, okay, of a thousand people, of a thousand okay, thousand people. where we've we put a picture up of each of us and said, "Well, which of these do you think that you know this person would would go to?" And they've basically said virtually we're we're similar, yes. And I wouldn't have said that. Well,
0: I, I object to that. Um, but they said <laughs> we were more likely to we we're equally likely to choose several of these restaurants. But not all of them, right? So Burger King, we were assumed to be equally likely to, to visit, uh, Wendy's, Taco Bell. Uh, but there were some differences also. So I created an, an index score, measuring our relative likelihoods of, of being seen as a customer of these restaurants. I over-index on Chipotle. I'm six points more likely than you to go to Chipotle, according to those thousand respondents.
1: Is that because you were wearing your uh, professor's coat with your leather patches on your elbows it's, and stuff it's like because that?
0: because the picture that we used of me was of me eating a burrito. Like That was the <laughs> picture that we posted uh, up there. Okay. We'll get into why these differences in a minute. The, I'll preview by saying, I have no idea. I, I, don't know, I don't know why I look more like a Chipotle guy than you do, Colin, but I do. And I will wear that with pride. I also over-index on Five Guys, and that one I'm, I'm proud of. So for listeners in other parts of the, the world who have been, Five Guys is, is a, a fast food hamburger chain, but they, they serve the best hamburgers of any fast food place I've ever been to. So uh, pleased with that one. You, Colin, based on your picture, over-index on Panera Bread. That's because
1: it's a much more sophisticated form of fast food, and people have obviously of discerning taste – have decided that that's the type of thing that I would go for.
0: As I said, there's really no explanation for you. <laughs> but I feel pretty confident that's not the explanation, but we don't know what it is.
1: It does raise a really interesting point, doesn't it? Which we're going to talk about in this episode uh, about research, what to do, how to do it and the importance of speed and getting some results in and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, so you and I had had talked about giving some general advice about how to get the most out of your research and the research that you do. Having conducted research now in various forms for the last 15, 16 years of my career, the (laughs) the, the most important thing I can tell you about conducting research is, after you've collected the research, it will be oh, always be clearer to you what you should have asked yes. than you will know before yes. you actually conduct the research. Uh, yes. That is a universal truth.
1: Yeah. As soon as you get any stats in, yes. you start going, oh, hmm, that's interesting. Oh, I, I should wonder have, what have more tells into that. Me. I, sh- I, sh- I should have raised that question. We shouldn't down. we have asked? And, and I think the interesting bit there, mate, is, is this. The challenge normally, so when we do research for our clients, one of the things they obviously say to us is, you know, how long is it going to take? And we say, well, it's going to take three or four months. The challenge is always speed, basically. The good thing about the YouGov platform was that you literally could get an answer back within an hour and find out exactly what would, what's happening. So the point I'm trying to make, the serious point I'm trying to make is – if you do suddenly go, bloody hell, I should have asked this question, <laughs> then you can obviously go back in there and turn around and say, well, what was, you know, you, know, you could go back and ask those questions, basically. Uh,
0: yes, exactly. So let's let's back up a little bit. The reason that we, we were able to run this survey is because we've partnered with YouGov and they, uh, they encourage us to use their platform. YouGov is a survey organization, I believe they primarily started in the UK, is that correct?
1: Yeah, they're, they're a highly thought of survey organization in the, U- the UK. I believe they, they set up back in the day when uh, research companies, certainly the, the perception of research companies wasn't that high, but YouGov, they're quoted all the time in in politics. I think that's yes. the reason yeah, that YouGov their is... Political it, is polling. It, yeah, absolutely. And that has always been, when we've done PR in the UK back in the old days, I was told that if you, you've, you've gov, then, you know, the, the companies that you're approaching would go, yeah, that's fine. Then they would sanction it basically, because the dangerous is people were just coming up with statistics that, didn't mean anything because they'd surveyed their grandmother and they'd been dead for four years. Yeah, no, a, a good organization. And I'm not just saying that they are a good organization.
0: They've developed this new, I guess, direct-to-consumer model. So it, it's no longer just a political polling organization, but you can use their sample and their, their surveying tools to conduct your own research. Um, and so they gave us the opportunity to do that. It was very easy to use. So I'll walk people through that experience in a minute. But going to the, the point that Colin raised... In terms of advice on how to get the most out of your research, uh, I think that the the biggest mistake people make in research is assuming that it's something you can do once and walk away from. So we're going to go out, we're going to spend millions, we're going to conduct this big survey, we're going to get like a tome back, we're going to get this thousand page report with all of the, the cross tabs and everything broken down, and then we will know, we will have a full understanding of what's going on. And in my experience, that's just not how research is done well, right? So, to Colin's point, a good research, in my opinion, should be frequent. Ideally, it will be rapid, in that you know you you write your questions, you go out, you you um, ask people, and you get your results back quickly. And it should be specific. So you should have very specific questions in mind, so that you can get kind of a depth of understanding. And so, so the first thing I will say about the the UF platform. And their, their sample is that it facilitates all three of these. As you said, you could you know, get it out there and you get your results back very quickly within the matter of just a few hours. That gives you the opportunity to go back out and conduct more research frequently. Right? You can just nibble at this many times over the course of weeks or months rather than doing it once every couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, I I think you're right. The platform was easy to use as well and very sort of uh, intuitive. I think you're right. Our regular listeners will know that we believe that, you know, you should be testing things. Okay. And the danger is, is too many organizations make changes and they don't test things with customers. One of the best ways of testing is to ask the customer. But I think People don't because of the they think it's going to take such a long time for the results to come through, or it's going to be prohibitively expensive. So they just go off and do things, which is definitely the wrong approach. For me, just supporting what Ryan was saying, I think that you need to do things frequently. You need to go out there and test things as rapidly as you as you can. But the frequency bit, I think, is an interesting bit as well, isn't it? Because it's not just. I tell you what, it really cracks me up because. We have clients, and that's not the surprising bit, by the way, uh, (laughs) that we have clients. (laughs)
0: That is new. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, but we have clients who turn around and come, they they go, we did this piece of research. Yeah. When did you do that then? Seven years ago. I'm not joking. Seven years ago. And you go, yeah, but seven years ago. Think of the world seven years ago. How do you think that those results still stand? And therefore, just doing things on a much more frequent basis has has got to change things. Particularly if something has, has happened in your market, or guess what? There's been a pandemic. Something else that, that that that's happened around. Yeah, suddenly, you know, inflation, and you know, well, just just think of the last thing that's happened in the yeah, totally in the last you know couple of years. And therefore, the ability to be able to go out and test things with the market quickly, I think, is a real plus.
0: Going back to this this theme of, of this episode, getting the most out of your research, I, I think that that is a real, real key insight about research. So a lot of times when we go out and ask people questions, we misinterpret the results. We anticipate that, oh, we're, we're getting an assessment of what is actually out there in the marketplace. We're getting an assessment of what people are actually doing or thinking. But you and I have talked about this a lot. Sometimes people don't have insights into why they do what they do, or they don't remember what they've done in the past. Instead, what you're surveying when you go out and ask people is sentiment. It's perception. And so The results that you're getting back in is not like, oh, this is actually what people are doing or or how they're behaving. It's instead, this is what people think about what they're doing or behaving. This is how people are remembering or perceiving or interpreting what's going on in the action. And so what that means is that it's not that you can't trust the results that come in because those are telling you something interesting and important. But even more interesting and important is how those results might change over time. Right, So the fact that Colin over-indexes on Panera is interesting, but it's difficult to interpret right now. But if we saw that change over time, where uh, somebody who looks like Colin is much more likely to be seen as a Panera Bread customer than me um, now, but over time those converge, well, now that's telling us something about what's going on in the marketplace and perceptions of the brand. Um, and it gives us something that's much, much more easy to interpret and use than if we just took a single shot. So I've just had an interesting thought. For
1: our regular listeners, they will know that I lost a lot of weight a couple of years ago. So I lost something like 100 pounds in weight. Okay. So the interesting thing would be if we do the research again. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, you know, there are things that are happening in the market place but there's also different perceptions so what do you think of this person who is clearly overweight given the fast food restaurants which one do you think he is and somebody that is i don't know let me call myself normal for the moment i aspire to be normal to <laughs>
0: um, yeah i'm not on board with that please continue.
1: but i lay your money that
0: would have uh, that would have affected the results oh of yeah? course yeah so we obviously included these questions in the survey just to be kind of cheeky and funny Let's get serious about it for a minute. When we ask a question like that, when you show somebody a picture and ask them about which brands they would do, this is an indirect form of surveying. So I could ask you about the Panera Bread brand, you'd give me some answers. But if I ask you which restaurant is this random person likely to eat at, you're basing that judgment off of something. And so my best interpretation of these, uh, these results is that people have some prototypical customer for these brands in mind. And that for at least some of these brands, that prototypical customer differs across the the two pictures of us. Maybe Five Guys customers are more prototypically lumberjacks. And so my beard is really swaying people towards (laughs) that prototype and makes me seem... More lack of fives. That's me flattering myself. It's probably more hipster. Uh, <laughs> it's the interpretation people. I have to say, mate, if there was
1: one profession that I would have put you at, it wouldn't have been lumberjack. I own five chainsaws. <laughs> um, we've been over this. Yeah, but m- a mass murderer. Yeah, but
0: not... <laughs> Mass. I mean, how many is mass? We can
1: we can debate this. I I think actually, technically, it's four, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. Well, the (laughs) fact (laughs) that you know that,
0: Colin, I got to keep below this threshold. I I don't want bad for my image. I've
1: done three today. I can't do another one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: This this took a turn I was not anticipating. So, Colin, you know how big we are in promoting data as a way of making decisions. Absolutely. Really fundamental. Well, I've got a great idea, and I think we should collect some data on it. I think that there's a real opportunity for us to grow the podcast in the direction of more lizard owners. I think there's a real growth opportunity for us. Lizard owners? Why lizard owners? I I don't know. That's why I want to collect some data. So... <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we've got an opportunity here. Uh, YouGov has approached us and invited us to work with them and collecting data in any way we see fit. And I think we should use that to look into uh, Lizard Owners.
1: And if you would like $500 off your first survey, then all you need to do is to go to ugov.com backslash ICP. That is ugov.com backslash ICP. And you'll get $500 off your first survey today. You know my view, mate, which is many organizations don't spend enough time gathering data. Absolutely. And part of the reason that they don't do that is because they think it's going to take a hell of a long time. And the thing I'm really pleased about is that YouGov have got a great self-service platform that helps you to create targeted surveys within minutes and get the answers within hours, which really means that you can test things and test things frequently. And the really good news is you pay as little as $1.50 per respondent. Go to yougov.com backslash ICP and you will get $500 off your first survey today. And we're gonna learn so much about lizards and their
0: owners. The reason that we asked this silly question is, I'm writing a book. Colin graciously encouraged me to use this uh, YouGov survey to uh, to do some kind of background reading on the book. So along with a co-author, we're, we're investigating growth marketing from the perspective of managing multiple customer segments. So as you as your business grows, you're gonna attract new customers in, and in my opinion, and, and with my co-author, a lot of brands just don't fully appreciate the opportunities and the risks of now serving more and more customers who all want different things. That, that presents opportunities for getting them to work together, there are risks of conflict as you get more of these people in. So that, that's the, the basic thesis of the book. I'm pleased that we signed a contract with Harvard Business Review Publishing. Um, that should be coming out in about a year. Really good. Um, I'm sure we will talk to you more about that. But So we, we were interested in some of these questions about how people perceive brands, how they perceive themselves relative to brands and relative to other customers. And so this, this question about, you know, which fast food restaurant, Colin, and I would eat, at it, yeah, it's silly, but it also speaks to that larger perception of how do I think about the other people who are using this brand as I make these decisions. Yes, And we asked some of those questions more specifically. So for example, we asked people, when you consider buying a brand, how likely are you to think about whether you resemble the typical customer of the brand? So this is uh, a different version of the same kind of fast food problem only applied now to you. Uh, We've got some indication that people think about a prototypical customer, but now how does that affect you? 42% of the respondents said that they were very unlikely to consider the prototypical customer when they choose. But we had 10% who said they were very likely and 23% who said they were somewhat likely. So at least a third of people are admitting that they do consider typical customers when considering whether to adopt a brand. So from my perspective, in terms of writing this book, I find this very interesting. I, I think that the, the fact that a third of customers are self-aware enough to realize that this influences them, that that by itself is is interesting to me and something I can build off of. Going back to our earlier point, though, do I think that it's best to interpret these results as only one third of the uh, marketplace is influenced by perceptions of other typical customers when they, they purchase a brand? That I'm hesitant on.
1: Yeah, no. And I think that for me is a classic example, because I agree with you, I wouldn't interpret it as only a third of people are influenced by them. I think it's more when you then start talking about framing, you're going two thirds of people aren't influenced and you go, actually, they are. It's just that they don't know about it or they can't articulate it. And the the interesting bit there then becomes... You start to turn around and say, maybe we should have asked the question in a different way, or maybe we should have, maybe there's other ways that we can go about getting to that point, and maybe we should go and test this. Because for all we know, it could be the answer. Now, you and I don't think it is, okay, that, that it's the right frames. What it enables you to do is to start to to challenge the thinking, because again, one of the mistakes that often people make is they take the very first results that they get yeah or they just go we know what our customer and this is more frequent we know what our customers want we're we're just not going to test any of it because this is what we think and that again in itself is a, is the wrong way of doing things isn't it
0: yeah and and let's remember what we're assessing with that question we're not we're not actually getting at were you influenced by thoughts of the typical customer? What we're getting is, do you remember being influenced? Are you aware that you were being influenced? So we're not actually getting the the a measure of the actual level of influence in the marketplace. Instead, what we're getting is customers' perceptions of that influence. And so from my perspective as somebody writing this book, it's interesting to me that a third of the people are, are self-aware enough to realize or to remember that's honestly higher than I had anticipated it would be. So that was interesting to me. But also from, from the perspective of something, somebody, somebody wants to write a book on this, it tells me that there's potentially a lot of room for education. Um, there's there's room to get people to think about this in a different way. And so that was also exciting to me.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what it what again, what it shows is, and and I think that the in your world of behavioral science, the way that it's always interested me the way that experiments are conducted. And there's clearly a lot of thought and effort that goes into the various different experiments, whether it's you know, the, the Milgram experiment or whatever it may be. And we've talked a lot about those different things
0: on the, on the show. Going back to the point that you might be a serial killer, Colin, um, it is interesting <laughs> to me that out of the hundreds All of of I chose
1: experiments that, one. <laughs> that
0: were conducted in psychology, you went straight to the one about torture. That's be yeah, Any so. experiment, Milgram, for example. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but Please. I think what it does say is that you need to. and again, one of the big bits of learning is that it's the way that you phrase the question. Yes, and it's that even the sequence in which you write the questions that can influence what you're thinking and what you're feeling, and I think that. If I think back to different forms of research, one of the things that we use on workshops with clients is projectives and getting them to look at a picture uh, or pictures. We give them magazines and random pictures in and say, consider this company's customer experience. Pick out a picture that would describe it. Yeah, The pictures they pick out are amazing. Clearly then the key question is, well, Why did you pick that out? And it's the little things that they pick out that really reveal what they're truly thinking, which I think is the key. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. You know, there's a difference between what people say and what people do. So even getting these types of results and then looking at your own internal data as to what customers are doing enables you to turn around and go, yeah, that seems right, or no, you know what, we need to do some further research to really to try to get under the skin of what's happening here. A third of people that are, and I agree with you, I was actually quite surprised by that number, a third of people that are aware of are self-aware, still there are two-thirds that potentially aren't self-aware.
0: To your point about different phrasing of questions will we'll elicit different responses, we did a little bit of that in this research. Again, it was a very short survey. We only asked about 10 questions or so. I did ask another version of that, which is just a yes or no. Have you ever purchased a brand because you knew another person or another group of people were using it? That's a very similar question to, have you ever been influenced by a typical customer a brand? But that version of the question, 50, 51% of the people said yes. Right. So my best interpretation of that is that by framing it around, in this case, I mentioned uh, a particular person or group of people that that pulled up a different set of memories, that that was a different framing of the same type of question. And that that made people realize like, Oh yeah, I, I have been influenced more by that. When we asked a version where we asked people whether they were positively or negatively influenced, again, we got, we got about an even split on that. So of the people who said that they were influenced in one way or another, Half said they were more likely to do it because of the influence of another person. Half said they were less likely.
1: You actually completed the survey, Ryan. How, how easy was it to use the system and set this up? Did it take hours? Did it days or?
0: Um, no, 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 it was uh, very straightforward. So as you're as you're conducting a survey, there are basically three things that you need to kind of worry about. So you need to write up the questions themselves, right? You need to develop the instrument, program it somehow. So you need to create it in a, a form that it can be distributed to other people. The most difficult part is you actually need to find the people to survey. The YouGov platform was good on all three of these. The interface was very intuitive. I've used a number of these at this point in my career. And you know it was very straightforward, just drag-and-drop number of, of different question types that were all pre-programmed in there, very very straightforward. One thing that guys does, which is different from other platforms, is when you finish your survey, you submit it, and it is actually reviewed by a survey expert before they publish it. Honestly, I think some of this is a little uh, self-defense on their por- part. They have this pool of customers, this of respondents that they use, and I think they want to make sure that people are not wasting the time of their respondents and that the respondents are are actually going to produce good results. So I submitted this and they came back with suggested changes. They said maybe you should include a none of the above here. Maybe you should randomize the order in which people will see these options. Maybe you could like rephrase this here. And they were good suggestions, you know. As I said I've been doing this for almost 20 years and yet I, you know, I appreciated the feedback. I thought it was it was good. So that's two. The third one is this, like, are you able to get the right people to do this? And I think this is the the real advantage of YouGov's platform. They have this massive pool of survey respondents, people who have agreed to conduct um, uh, these surveys for them or to respond to these surveys. And they've done a bunch of background research on these people. So these people have Completed batteries of surveys with all this demographic information, psychographic information, behavioral information. So, I got back the survey results, and then I was able to go into their data and analysis tool online. And I think you played around the- with this as well. And you can you can essentially cross any question you ask with these hundreds of demographic, psychographic, and behavioral questions. So, after I, I conducted this research for this uh, book that I'm writing, I also asked some general questions about our about a podcast for example one of the questions for example i asked you know which of these various descriptions of a podcast would make you more likely to listen to it whether it's informative or useful or humorous and we got various ratings i will mention that the thing that people were least likely to respond to that they they found the least appealing about a podcast was if one of the co-hosts had an accent, for example, a British accent, (laughs) people were just not, that was not compelling. Hold
1: on, or an American accent. Uh, Depends on which way you're looking at uh, it. Moving
0: on. Um, (laughs) uh, But I did, I also, I I generated a list of 10 or so podcast topics. I said, how interested would you be in in some of these? So this is just kind of basic market research for the podcast. And I got the results back. They were interesting. The 10 or, or 11 that I put in there None of the above was the most popular. People were not on board with my 10 generated podcast links.
1: This is one of the reasons, mate, that I choose which podcast we're going to do.
0: But it's, this is my point here. That was for a general audience. So that was a 1,000 yes. random people yes. um, that were from the pool, which is what we, we wanted for the rest of the survey. But I was able to go into the back end and start to slice this by some of this additional information. And when you look at what industry people work in, so they had like marketing, media, advertising, PR was one of the categories. If you pull out that group of people, the numbers change completely. Now, I mean, the overall interest level goes up substantially. And then now like, there's a whole reordering where some of these topics are, are much more popular where in the general audience, they were less so. This is a really powerful tool for being able to get at the data that you're interested in because it's interesting what the general public is interested in, but our our target customer for this podcast is not the general public it's people who are working in specific industries related to customer experience and marketing, and so the opinions of that group are much more interesting to us. that group also not interested in a British accent by the way. <laughs>
1: I was impressed with the amount of uh, additional information. And in fact, I thought to myself, we've only asked a few questions here, but the amount of data that
0: we've got. It was was almost overwhelming. uh, Like there's just hundreds of these additional characteristics that you can screen by. And uh, I mean, uh, one in talking with the you you guys, they mentioned that we could split it out by people who own lizards as pets. Um, and I thought they were kidding they were not kidding um, they're like, oh yeah you could also combine it with like lizard and snake owners I'm like alright this is too much this is too far Yeah, but it's, it, yeah. it gets really granular and, and that was if you're a data person it's, it would be very easy to just get lost in this for days and uh, splitting it out all kinds of different ways which is fun
1: let's take a step back and let's ask the normal question at this point. So, which is, if you're going to do some research, we strongly suggest that you do, because research is clearly a, a great way of finding out what your customers want. What advice would you give them? What, do you want to go back over your three things?
0: Yeah. My first bit of advice is you should develop skills to do research yourself. It's great to hire a market research firm, and they, they there are great ones out there, and they do great work. And sometimes that is absolutely appropriate but it is really empowering to learn how to do research on your own. And it's, it's as a, a steep learning curve from the perspective, but it's a short learning curve. So it's very intimidating when you've never ch- done it. But after you've done it a few times, you, kind of, you get a sense of what's going on and the, the best way to answer, ask questions and so on. So learn how to do this. And the YouGov platform, honestly, is a good way to do this in part because you're going to get feedback on stuff before you run it. I don't know of any other platforms that do that. This is a way of developing that skill. So that's one, do it, learn how to do this. Um, It's very empowering. It gets you a much better sense of how research is conducted, how to interpret data. The other thing to uh, keep in mind is as you're doing data, do not treat this as a one-shot exercise. You're not gonna do this once, take this snapshot of what's going on and then be done with it forever. Research should be frequent. It should be rapid and it should be specific. And so think about this as this iterative process. It's better to take a bunch of small bites of a question over time than to try to take a big gulp of it all at one point. Do small things, small things that are, are rapid, that are frequent and that are specific.
1: I would absolutely uh, support those things. I think the thing that uh, not enough organizations do is they don't do it frequently enough. They try to come up with the big bang that's going to give them the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And whenever I've seen a research, and I I have to say this occurred when I looked at... uh, uh, the research that uh, that we've just done, is you look at it and you think, that's interesting. Maybe if we'd have asked the question that way, it would have been different. Or maybe if we'd have done this and therefore being able to to treat this as part of a process, an ongoing process rather than a one and done, I think is, is key. And asking questions in a different way, it reminds me of, remember, we've talked about the golden question before refining things down to, and the golden question for for those people that don't recall this, the golden question is, what's the one question that you could ask that would really unveil what your customers think? So one of the examples was, how do you know which pet owners are going to feed their dog a premier pet food? Okay, And the question that that they finally developed to identify that was, along the lines of, do you buy your dog a birthday gift on its birthday? And therefore, those people that do tend to buy their dog premium uh, pet food. So the point I'm trying to make is, wouldn't it be great if everybody could develop that golden question? You know, and the only way you do that is by constantly refining things as you go on. It's not about doing what something once every seven years and then wondering why the market shifted or whatever it may be. So, so thank you very much, you for the opportunity to uh, work with you on this. It's been really good, and I would really suggest that you take a look at the platform. We'll put a link, obviously, in the show notes. There's uh, an offer of $500 off for anybody conducting their first survey. Again, just you'll see that in the show notes. Give it a go and uh, see what you think. I think it was great. We look forward to talking to you on next week's show. Thanks very much, everybody. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review.